Praise the Lord. It is good, as Pastor said, normally I'm over on the youth side, and in fact, I feel like there's times where I'm like, man, I don't see you on Wednesdays very often, and a lot of you, it's good to see all of your faces, because typically by the time we make it back over here, most people have already left, but um, it is good to be over here, and it's good to be in the house of the Lord, and um, yes, we are on our way to uh, child number three, which I, I've been told, I, I cannot believe this is true, but I've been told it gets easier, and I think that's just people trying to trick me. Uh, but it worked, and so number three should be here soon. So if you could remember my wife and your prayers as we are getting towards the end. Uh, middle of April will be um, when she's going to be delivered, unless she comes sooner, which I don't think any of us would be too upset about that at this point. So, But praise the Lord. God is good. Uh, we are continuing um, with our series that we, we have been going through, and uh, we are growing apostolic legacy and I've appreciated this um, series uh, I haven't been over here to hear them but I've been reading the book I've read all the books up to this point and or actually this is the end of the books and I've appreciated growing our spirituality uh, and growing further in the Lord and and learning and knowledge about uh, spiritual warfare and just and broadening uh, my understanding so this has been a real uh, learning experience for me I hope it has uh, been for you all um, as well but uh, today we're going to go through part three which is the battleground of heavenly places so we're talking about uh, the spiritual side of things at this point we're talking about with angels and and demons and how we can fight these at a spiritual uh, level so uh, before I, I put up my first verse, I want to talk a little bit about uh, reality. And reality, you know, th the definition of reality is up there. It says that which is real, an actual thing, uh, situation, or uh, an event. We typically think of reality as objective, okay, with what actually took place. Uh, but of course, we all know that there's perspectives to reality as well. There is... Uh, you know, from my personal reality, what, what I have seen through my lens could be completely different from what you've seen from your lens. And so uh, we have this uh, differences of reality. And I put a quote there. This is from the author. It says, whatever a society agrees upon and establishes through consent, compromise, and constant use will ultimately define reality to them. So what we allow, what we allow to, uh, what, what we allow to see, what we allow to, um, in our lives to, to, to deal with, to compromise, that could become our collective reality. And that really is what we're talking about today with spiritual warfare is whose reality are we going to believe? Are we going to believe the reality from the word of God? Are we going to believe God's report and, and what God says to be true? Or are we going to allow uh, the enemy and the worldly influences to distort our reality? And are we going to believe um, that? And so that's, that's where we're coming um, from. And my first verse here is Genesis 11. And familiar story, chapter 11, verse 4. And it says, They said, Go to let us build a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city, and the lower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they began to do. 
And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. What's significant about this is we were all created in the image of God. And I, I was recently in a, giving a Bible study, and obviously right, we got to that verse. We talked about how we don't look like God because we all look different. So when we're created in the image of God, that means there's attributes, spiritual attributes that God has given to us. And we have a very limited ability here, but we do have the ability to create. Humans, mankind, has the ability to create things. We have the ability to imagine something and then make it happen. Imagine it and see it and envision it and then we're able to get people to see, catch on to our vision and then we're able to create that thing. Uh, if we go outside of the spiritual, this becomes very obvious. Uh, uh, about 50, a little over 50 years ago, America decided we were going to go to the moon. And nobody thought that was possible. Everyone thought that's way too far, you're, you're overreaching, how in the world could we ever do that? But mankind figured it out. See, when mankind has the ability, we have the ability to create. Uh, we, if you would have told, uh, if I would have told this group of people 100 years ago that we could get on a device and I could see somebody from the other side of the world and we could have a communication so much so that we could be in business with one another and we could collaborate with one another that would have been unimaginable uh, not too long ago but because mankind has the ability to create all these things has has come to pass and that also applies to the spiritual realm in the spiritual realm we don't have to agree with what is laid before us in the spiritual realm, we can, we can envision God's will. We can envision God's way. We can envision a miracle. We can envision, and, and, and then we can pray, and we can go to battle, and we can fight for that, and we can create. That's what the Word uh, shares with us. Uh, this warfare is centered upon um, our church today. See, the enemy would love for us to just accept whatever we have. Accept whatever we're going through, whatever we're seeing. And he wants to distort our reality. How many of you know the devil's a liar? He, he is a liar. And he wants to convince us of his lies. He wants to tell us that things aren't possible, but all things through God are possible. And so we have a decision, we have a choice in the matter to not just accept, but instead to go to battle. And that's what this whole series has been about, is we want to go to battle. We want to go into spiritual warfare, and we're not going to accept uh, bad reports, and we're not going to accept uh, sin in our lives, and in our homes, and in our churches. We're not going to accept uh, the, the status quo, but instead, we're going to fight. And we're going to fight for our families. We're going to fight for our church. We're, go we're going to pray, and we're going to engage in spiritual warfare. And we can create uh, that with God. It's our job with God to be on his team, to fulfill his will, and bringing forth that revival, and bringing forth deliverance, and miracles, and signs, and wonders. God is waiting on us to join in on that fight. Um, we have that ability to create spiritually. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5, it says, For the weapons of our warfare, this is a familiar verse, and we'll recall this a couple of times tonight, but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. How many times, and I've been guilty of this too, have I ever said, uh, there's nothing I can do. All I can do is pray. 
And I say it with that kind of inflection, like, I, like my hands are tied. But that's the greatest, most powerful thing that you can do. You can pray, no matter what you're going through, no matter what situation. The Bible tells us that we can go before the throne boldly, and the Lord hears us, and the Lord listens to us. And so, don't be defeated if you're facing an impossible situation, and all I can do is pray. You say, you know what? I can pray. I'm not defeated. I can fight this. We can, get, we can join together as a family, and we can fight this spiritually. It's, a, it's mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And as I'm sure we've learned already, strongholds are our are, are thoughts, pulling down our thoughts and pulling down our imaginations uh, that are wicked and that are not of God. And verse 5 says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of of Christ. We have the ability where people, where the devil wants us to see people in chains and in bondage, we can look at that same situation and say, you know what, God's going to deliver that person. We don't have to accept that reality, but we can, we can pray for that person. We can see uh, miracles and signs. We can see healings. We can, ha we can pray and expect resurrection power to come forward uh, because that's what the word tells us. And the Lord is looking for an army to rise up. When the enemy tries to show us impossible situations, we don't need to crumble in that despair, but we can fight. We can go to war, and we can create in the spiritual realm. In Revelation, we learn a, a, a powerful principle. Pretty, uh, uh, to me, it was something I learned. It was pretty sh uh, shocking, I guess. It's uh, Revelation chapter 12, verse 7 through 8. And in the scripture, it says... Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels went forth to battle with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. But they were defeated. And, and then I underline this. There was no room found for them in heaven any longer. What this shows us was there was a, a displacement that took place in heaven. They had a fight. They had a a battle, and at the end, there was no more room. See, as God's spiritual forces increased, as more light was shining, the darkness had to go. And so there was a displacement in heaven. When the battle was over, there was no longer any room uh, for them in heaven. So, you know, sometimes it's hard for us to imagine as, as, as humans, it's hard for us to imagine how do angels and, and demons fight? How, how does that exactly take place? Uh, all we need to know is that the fight is who will control the reality. Who will control the reality here on earth? Will it be heaven or will it be hell? And what we just read there was there's a displacement that can take place. Um, let me go forward a little bit, a few verses out of Ephesians. Ephesians 6.12 says, Against spiritual wickedness, in high, or I put in parentheses, heavenly places. When it refers to heavenly places, it's not referring necessarily to heaven, uh, but referring to the spiritual realm, okay? To the spiritual realm uh, that's occupied both by uh, dark forces and also angels. And Ephesians 1.10 tells us that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven 
and which are in earth. So he's gathering both heaven and earth, even in him. And then Ephesians 3.10, it says, To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be made known by the church. So by the church, God is going to show forth and man, the manifold wisdom of God. Through the church, God had purposed to make known his manifold wisdom to the principalities and the powers. As we agree, here's, here's what all this comes down to. As we agree and come closer to God with our head, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus, the Spirit of, of Christ himself will displace the powers of darkness in the spiritual realm. See, the more of God that we have surrounding us, the more God we have, the more angels and light around us, the less room there is for evilness and for wickedness. There's a displacement that takes place. So when we as a church, when we go to battle, and we begin to fight, and we, get to, we begin to call things out in spiritual prayer and call things out and we start to pray that God's will will be formed in us and that God's way will happen and we start to call down the, 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 the wickedness of our time. What happens is, is the spirit of God will begin to dwell in our homes, in our church, in our community and that's where the atmosphere would be right where miracles and signs and wonders and healings and God can come forward in that type of atmosphere versus if we don't and if we don't do that, and if there isn't a people that's praying, that's engaging in the spiritual warfare, that's, that's fighting and, and praying and, and seeking God and trying to get more of God and trying to bring in more light, then the darkness will then displace that. Okay, so we see this displacement uh, principle. And the point of all is that it's our responsibility. God is looking for a church. He is looking for a people who will pick up their sword, who will pick up their armor and will go to battle, who will go to fight. I'm ready to go to battle. I don't know if you are, but I'm ready to fight for my families. I'm ready to fight for my church. I'm ready to fight for my community. I am not going to lie down and just accept what the world has to offer. No, I'm going to call on God. I'm going to call on the one that's in charge of all of it. The one who's got hosts of, of angels, hosts of chariots that he can bring down and he can fight our battles for us. That's what, that's what we can do. I've already said it, but the devil's a liar. John 8:44 tells us, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh, a lie he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. All he does, all he can do is lie. There's no truth that ever comes out of the enemy. And he wants to control. He wants to distort. He wants to uh, change our perspective and our view of reality. His realm in the spirit world is what immediately surrounds our, our consciousness right now. Uh, the heavenly places, as mentioned in Ephesians 6.12. Satan seeks to corrupt. He seeks to control mankind through the illusions built from mankind's carnal desires and fears. The weapon that we have, we have a weapon to fight this. And the weapon we have is the sword of the Spirit. The Word of God is our weapon. Ephesians 6.17 says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. 
You see, it's helpful when all you ever have is the enemy lying to you. It's helpful to have a word that all it is is truth. Every word from it is truth. Every word of it is God-breathed. Every word of it will give you life. Every word of it will completely combat whatever the enemy is attacking you with. So we have a weapon. We have a, a strong and powerful weapon. Spiritual warfare includes the pulling down of strongholds. What are these strongholds? St these strongholds are the lies that the devil has sown into our thought processes. When we accept these lies, we're, we're given in to the enemy. But instead, when we have these thought processes, when we have the idea and when the enemy presents to us falsehoods, we can cling to the word of God and we can pull down those strongholds. John chapter 6, verse 63 says, It is, it is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. If you are feeling drained, if you're ever feeling just carnal and feeling, oh man, I, I, I don't know what else to do, just open up the word of God. Just begin to read the word of God and you'll feel life breathing into you. You'll feel life strengthen you. To be successful in spiritual warfare, we must know the Word of God. We must be prepared and ready to fight whatever attacks the enemy might throw at us. I know we have the classic example where uh, Jesus was in the wilderness and he was fasting. And when he was in that low point of fasting, we know the enemy came and he would take scripture and he would distort it a little bit and try to trick Jesus, try to get him off track. And every time Jesus responded with the correct Word of God. That's our example. That's what we have to go off of. We have to know the word. We have to know his spirit and then we can combat whatever the enemy tries uh, to throw our way. So here's a few verses uh, that I would recommend uh, memorizing, writing down, having in your back pocket. If you're ready to uh, begin this spiritual warfare and begin attacking the enemy, well then we need to be, be prepared with our sword. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 11 says, and have no fellowship Sister Tracy, I messed it all up. Can you go back to where I was? There, thank you. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. The Bible tells us to, to not entertain, even think about worldliness and the, and the sinful desires of this world. To not even entertain it, but reprove them, rebuke them, get rid of them. Don't, don't allow some of these things into our homes. Don't allow some of these things into your life. Don't even begin to tolerate it. First John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You want to know what the trick is? Whenever the enemy tries to throw a sin at you, throws your past at you, well if you haven't repented of it, just quickly say, oh you're right, let me repent of that. Repent. Confess your sins to the Lord and then you're new. He is just to forgive you. He, is just, he will forgive every bit of it. He says he wipes it out. And when the enemy tries to pull up your past, say, what past? The Lord's already forgotten about that. The Lord's already wiped that clean. You can't bring that up on me anymore. The Lord's forgiven. He's paid the price. Amen? Amen. Amen. He's paid the price. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Popular, great, powerful verse. Whenever you're feeling overwhelmed. Whenever you're feeling like, oh man, maybe I'm going too far, or maybe, maybe I can't stand up to this anymore, you're feeling fearful, remember that that fear that you're having is not from the Lord. 
get into his presence again. Remind yourself that he gives me a sound mind. He doesn't give me fear, but he gives me power. He gives me a sound mind. And pray, get into that spirit. Go on the attack. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15 says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Don't ever believe the lie that the enemy has any power whatsoever. He has been conquered. He has been conquered. He has been defeated. He's got no power over you. And the Lord released those, that's us, who are subject to bondage. We are no longer in bondage. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for going to the cross. Thank you, God, for doing this for us because now we are able to live righteously. We're able to live above all of that. Finally, a couple more. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good. All things work together for good. That is unimaginable to me. Let me just bring that down for you. You mean to tell me if I go and lose my way and do terrible things and make mistakes, that somehow God can turn that for good? Yes, he can. Now the trick here, or the, the, the catch to this, is we have to be called according to his purpose. See, the moment you could be going away from God, you could be running from God, and listen, I'm not telling you God's going to bless you when you're running away from God. But the moment you repent, the moment you turn and come back to God, he's able to take all that mess. And he's able to take everything and he's able to work it for good. And that's the promise we can hold on to. That anything, all of your life, think back to your whole past, the good stuff, the bad stuff, all of it. God said, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that for good. Every bit of it is for good. I, I, I'm, going to, I'm in control still. Luke chapter 10 and verse 19 says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. We have power in the name of Jesus. We have power through the Holy Ghost. We don't have to be fearful. We can go boldly. We can begin to take uh, spiritual territory. We can begin to be, uh, go into spiritual warfare and to pray and we can take uh, ground for our families and for our community, for our church and we don't have to be afraid. The Lord's already told us that he's given us the power over that. Praise God. Now, there's a couple enemies we're going to talk about uh, that I I'm sure we're familiar with, familiar with but a couple enemies that we need to discuss that we're going to be um, attacking or will be um, prevalent in our lives at some point. First John chapter 2 Verse 18 and 19 says, Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard, the Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. You see, it's a lot of times when we think Antichrist, we think of one singular person. We think of one singular person who's going to come in the end days, uh, and he's going to fulfill and, and begin revelation. And, that, and that's true, and that's going to happen. But that's not the only time the Antichrist is prevalent in our world. The Antichrist is here now. He was writing it 2,000 years ago. He said, look, the, the spirit of the Antichrist is here now. There's already many spirits of the Antichrist. So let, let's break down 
um, what exactly he means. If you continue to verse 19, it says, they went out from us. They went out from us. So the, the spirit of the Antichrist that he's referring to there were previous members of the church, previous members of the body. And it says that they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. So the Antichrist, or the spirit of the Antichrist, is simply being anti-Christ, anti-God, going against God. 1 John 4, 3 clarifies this more. It says, And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of the Antichrist. When the New Testament refers to confessing Jesus, they're, they're talking more than just, just saying it with their mouth. It's more than just simply confessing, saying Jesus is Lord. It's more than that. It's a lifestyle. It was a lifestyle to them. It was a complete life change for them. And so when they said they didn't confess Jesus with their mouth, when they didn't confess Jesus, they did not partake in that lifestyle. They were anti Christ. They were anti-God and anti-Christianity. Uh, uh, 1 John 4, 7 and 8, a little bit further down in that chapter, says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Verse 8 tells us, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. So the spirit of Antichrist is the opposite of God, and God is love. And so the spirit of the Antichrist is the opposite of love. It's hatred. It's jealousy. It, it's racism. It's, it's all those things. It's hatred. That's, that's the spirit of the Antichrist. Jesus is forgiveness. The Antichrist is unforgiveness. It's the opposite. And that spirit is prevalent today. That spirit is prevalent in our lives today, in our world today. And it's our job to identify it and, and to fight it. And to take it head on. And here's how you engage in spiritual warfare. First of all, you can't fight something you haven't defeated personally. And so you have to fight it personally. If you ever, you have to recognize, you have to pay attention, be attuned to the spirit. And man, is that of God that's making me feel this way? Or is that an antichrist spirit that's talking to me? Am I feeling unforgiveness towards someone? Then I gotta fight that myself. If I'm feeling not love for someone, if I'm feeling jealousy in my heart, that's not of God. That's a spirit of antichrist. And so we gotta start with ourselves. And we gotta pray. And we gotta repent. And we gotta, the Bible tells us that if we confess, he is just to forgive. And so when we pray, in fact, James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So in order to, to defeat the spirit of the Antichrist on a personal level, we have to tear down the strongholds. We have to tear down that, that thought process. We have to tear it down. And then after we do that, this is where the spiritual warfare comes in. After we do it personally, then we go on the attack. Then we start praying down that stronghold in our family. Then we start praying against that stronghold uh, of unforgiveness in our homes. Then we start praying down that stronghold of unforgiveness, of antichristness in our church. And we start praying down that stronghold in our areas. And that's when the Holy Ghost, that's when we're engaging in the spiritual warfare right there. It's when we conquer it ourselves 
and then we go on the attack. We don't stop right there. We don't say, okay, now I'm good. Now I'm going to move on. No, I'm going to attack. That spirit has no business in my family, has no business in my home, has no business in my church. I'm going to rebuke it. I'm going to get it out. And that's spiritual warfare. And so we got to start with ourselves. Uh, one of the quotes that the, the, this author made, I love, he said several times in this book, says, the victory begins with Jesus on the lips, and it's finished when the manifestation of his spirit is finished inside of us. See, we can have the victory when we start to proclaim it in Jesus. When we start to speak the name of Jesus. When we start to seek Jesus. And then we all know that's not a, that's not a, a quick process to become like Jesus. As we begin the, the journey of becoming like Jesus, as he's infilling inside of us more and more, that's when the real victory takes place. When we can have the characteristics of Jesus in our hearts. So it begins with the confession, but then it continues and to the characteristics of Jesus comes into our hearts. Another spirit that we're going to see, and, and, and we see this in the Bible several times, is the, the spirit of Jezebel. And we read about it in Revelation chapter 2, verse 20. It says, Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which called herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. I put on there, when the Bible refers to Jezebel spirit, it's referring to a spirit of um, obsessive sensuality, of, of rebellion, and for hatred of authority. Uh, to really understand this, we have to go back to the Old Testament, to uh, the, the namesake of the spirit of Jezebel. This wasn't probably the first time that spirit has been active in the world, but it's where we get it out of the Bible. And Jezebel was the wife of Ahab. And she was able to lure Ahab and, and the whole country, the, all the northern tribes, and was able to convince them, all but I think 7,000, uh, to tear down the altars. I put it there. Forsake thy covenant, throw down thy altars, and slay the prophets with the sword. One, that spirit, one person was able to convince an entire nation to go against God and to do those terrible things. Why? Because... She was able to, to use what she had and to use and to create. She was rebellious. She was able to um, go against the um, God-given order and the God-given authority. And we see that spirit today. We very clearly see that spirit today. We see the spirit of Jezebel going against um, authority, going against, uh, having rebellion, the spirit of, of um, sensuality and lustfulness being prevalent in our society. We see this right now. Um, and we can fight it. That's what the Bible tells us. We can fight it. It says, uh, we must discern when the spirit of Jezebel has entered our lives and cut it out. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 23 tells us that he who searches the hearts and minds. So just like with the, with the spirit of the Antichrist, we have to begin with ourselves. We have to begin with our own personal level. Whenever we feel that spirit come, we have to ask God, Lord, reveal it to me. Lord, show me. Search my heart. It says he already does. You can think that you're hidden in your heart and your thoughts, but you're not. God knows it already. And so we got to start with the personal level. Whenever that, that spirit starts to rise, whenever that rebellion takes over, or that obsessiveness uh, takes over. In fact, I think I put it uh, somewhere, but the, the name of, of Jezebel means to... Uh, without cohabitation. Means without cohabitation, which means uh, she refused to live with anyone or to dwell with anyone that she could not dominate. 
that she couldn't control. If she couldn't control the society, then she wasn't going to be with you. Okay, and that, and what do we see in our society today? What do we see in our, our society today is you agree with us or you're done. Right? And, that, and that's the, that is the attitude, that's the atmosphere and the spirit that we are living in now. But we can fight it. We can come against that spirit. So we start with ourselves. We first repent of, ourse- repent of it ourselves. We tear down the strongholds. In fact, uh, we read it already, 2 Corinthians 10.5. At the end, it says, bringing into captivity every thought. You have to bring into captivity. Whenever you have a thought that is inappropriate. A thought that could lead to that Jezebel spirit. You gotta say, no, 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 I don't want to think that way. You gotta catch it. That's what the Bible says. Bring it to captivity. Every thought, every imagination. So defeat it yourself. Again, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Oh God, search our hearts, Lord. Lord, if there's any type or any aspect of the spirit of Jezebel inside of us, Lord, I pray that you remove it, God. Forgive us, cleanse us. And then, just like the spirit of the Antichrist, we go on the attack mode. It's not enough. You don't just stop with yourself. You, you first, you defeat that stronghold with yourself, and then you go on the attack. and You, you tear down that stronghold in your homes. You get on your knees and you pray until that stronghold is down in your church, and that stronghold is down in your community. You hit the, the, the spiritual warfare, and you pray. And eventually... That spirit's going to be done messing with you. That spirit's not going to mess with you anymore because every time it messes with you, you then go on the counter attack. That spiritual warfare is when you go on that counter attack, then that spirit doesn't want to uh, be with you anymore. Amen. Amen. Um, spirit of Babylon. Last, the last little bit here. And the woman who was a right, so um, I'll just tell this story real quick. The, the spirit of Babylon we've had forever. We've had it here on this earth forever. And the spirit of Babylon is worldliness. And the spirit of Babylon, um, I put there some bullet points at the bottom, says it was worldly. It was prideful. Genesis 11, 4, we read, it says, let us make us our name. This world is all about competition. This world is all about making a name for myself. And I'm going to put my name on that. And, and I, I'm going to uh, be worldly. And in and, and this scripture here, it tells us um, they, they, they were drunk with the lusts of pleasure. I'll go ahead and read verse 4. It says, And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Verse 5 says, And upon her forehead was, was a name written mystery, Babylon the Great. See, we are currently still living in that same atmosphere of Babylon. And chapter 18 says, And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon, the great is fallen. And verse 4 says, And I heard another voice from heaven, heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. See, God has called us now for this time to come out of Babylon. He's calling us to come out of the worldliness, to come out of the strongholds and the mindsets and the thinking that this world has to offer. Babylon has infiltrated our colleges. It's infiltrated our media. It's infiltrated uh, every aspect of our society. And God's calling on an army that will come out of Babylon and will fight and will begin to uh, fight spiritual warfare. Revelation 18.20 says, Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets, or God, for God hath avenged you on her. That, that phrase, avenged you on her. In a different translation, it's translated like this. It says, God hath judged your judgment 
on her. You see, God wants us to come out and to pray and to begin to engage in spiritual warfare. And as Jesus is more imparted inside of us, as we're growing closer and closer to the unity, to the oneness of God, he's going to put his judgments in our mouth. He's going to put his judgments. And the Bible says that he honors our judgments. Well, how could that be other than we're in one, we're in sync, we're in the, the direct relationship with God and we're fighting his battles. That's what the God is asking the church today to do, to rise up. Ephesians 3.10 says, To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers and heavenly places might be known by the church. He wants to make known by the church his manifold wisdom. And finally, Jude 14 and 15. When Jesus comes back to this earth, he came 2,000 years ago, meek and mild as a newborn babe. That's not how he's coming back again. He's coming back as a warrior. He's coming back as our, as our commander. He's coming back. It says, Jude 14, 15 says, His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto the brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And Isaiah says it like this, The Lord shall go forth as a mighty man. He shall stir up jealousy like a man of war. He shall cry, yea, roar. He shall prevail against his enemies. Oh, does anyone else hear the roar and the cry of the Lord calling us to battle? Let's stand. I'm coming to a close. Lord, I love you so much, God. Thank you, Lord. We hear your cry, God. We hear your anointing calling us, Lord, to spiritual warfare, Lord. Help us, God, as we grow closer to you and learn more about uh, about spiritual warfare and how to engage in battle, Lord. We are following and we are trusting in you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Pastor.